Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Aldwin. We've been doing this for eight months. The tennis season has been going on for eight friggin' months. You mean since the start of Australia? Yeah, I guess so, which was in itself eight months. That whole tournament, that stretch of (laughs) quarantine and all of that stuff. It started off exciting. Um... I was going to say, and now it's not, <laughs> but that's a lie. It's actually still so exciting. Yeah. It feels more like normal. We're getting a build up to, you know, the final grand slam of the season. We, I think this is one of the only moments in the year where there's two masters events back to back. One in our country, one in another country where we have lots of listeners, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati's not a country. It's not a country. That's not what I meant, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so we're going to get into all of that. But first, <laughs> patreon.com slash podcast is where you can support us. And we promise we're getting on that merch. We need to look into it, but we do have... <laughs> day jobs and evening jobs and we are trying to play our own tennis another thing that we're also going to talk about today yes absolutely because i told you earlier that i'm in need of a bit of a therapy session (laughs) for those of you who do not know we (laughs) are about to embark on the journey back to glta gay lesbian tennis association events in montreal at the Mm. coupe de la reine Yes. And uh, it has come to um, my attention and it is I've come to a bit of a realization that I'm probably going to lose first round. (laughs) Okay, first of all, you never know with these GLTA tournaments what your preparation will uh, what kind of result your preparation will turn it and turn into, to be honest. I mean, you could be playing like hot flaming garbage, like a diaper full of rotten shrimp for the entire <laughs> summer. <laughs> and, you know, again, just the matchup, just the draw, you just honestly never know. So I'm just going to put that out there first as like stage one of this intensive Jason Patterson therapy session. Like, <laughs> Are you playing like garbage? A hundred percent. But, but you could go, I mean, and if there's any GLTA player that I think can come into a tournament not having played well, but still do well, it's you. So, I mean, it, it doesn't do a lot for your confidence going in, but I think you're going to do, I think you're going to. I don't know how you're going to do it. <laughs> that is pretty perfect how you've, how you've positioned that for me. I think I've obviously it's been a couple weeks since I played. So I hadn't played 
really in two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it was before you went to Montreal that I had played with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the whole uh, <laughs> National Bank Open Week, so there was no playing that week. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a while. And um, a few things that I've noticed. I My fitness is a bit, you know, off, obviously. There's been no working out. I've played less tennis, so there's been a bit of that. Have a mm. few sort of niggling injuries that I'm working out that are not, they're not huge. They're not anything that would be <clears throat> um, causing me to play like, what did you say? Diapers full of shrimp? A diaper full of rotten shrimp. Yeah. So that's <laughs> not the cause. Co- that's not the cause. Um, I'm just playing against people who get all the balls back and are playing really well and playing really consistent like you and uh, Dean. Mm-hmm. And I need to play players like that. I need to play players that are forcing me to stay in rallies and get balls back and to find the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite finding the moment. I'm picking the wrong moment and making errors. Um, yeah, you know, I maybe we have mentioned it on our show before, but there was a clean stretch of about seven years where you beat me every single match. <laughs> And since last summer, I don't... Like, who's counting? Me, actually. Um, (laughs) You haven't beat me in a set. And to me, that's so surprising because you are usually so consistent. Um, You know, I'm that player that just likes to blast away from the baseline and you get every ball. So, you know, the last few matches, particularly um, before the National Bank Open, I just, yeah, I guess maybe noticed that you weren't scurrying around like Aga Radwanska. Do you remember that match at the year-end tournament where Sharapova was like, run, run? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> you know that? Yeah, like you're Dan Evans um, personified. Well, Dan Evans is a person as well. Um, but you know what I mean. You're like a Dan Evans-ish kind of player that gets every ball very crafty, likes to use his slice. So I think you just have to keep on keeping on. And, I mean, you never know. Like, there are so many examples out there of players that um, have come into a big tournament cold. Andreescu in Miami. Mm-hmm. Really a lot was not expected of her and she made the final. So girl, please, you could do it still. Yeah. I'm going in with the idea of let's go have some fun. Mm-hmm. Let's go see all yes. the, all the girls in Montreal. Um, yes. Half of them <laughs> who hopefully listen to our show. The rest of them will be listeners cause we will force them to follow <laughs> us on Instagram. Uh, just go there, have fun. Uh, no expectations, uh, try to stay in the points, try to come to the net when it's an opportune moment, yes. uh, try not to hit short ball returns, <laughs> try not to flub at the net when you have an opening for a winner, don't hit horrible drop shots, <laughs> all the things that I was get doing your, today. <laughs> like, get your serve in. Yeah. Get your serve like, in, Girl, get your servant. I listen. It depends on where I will be. Maybe I'll be scurrying around the um, uh, Ile des Sœurs tennis site, interviewing players for our podcast. But if I can watch your first round match, I will be shouting at you to do all of those things <laughs> and to move my feet. To move your feet, babe. Move your feet. Yeah. Remember. Anyway, gotcha. Yeah. And we're also <laughs> playing doubles. Yes, exciting. Yeah. 
So I will be moving my feet there because I technically don't have to move my feet as much. Right. I mean, <laughs> remember half the battle in double, half the battle in tennis is just getting up to the net, which I don't think, well, you're better than me at that. But like, I'm good at the net when I'm already there. Right. <laughs> and hitting the ball cross court, which you're better than me at doing. Yeah, I, will, I guess. I will always try to find the down the line if I can. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's like your favorite <laughs> shot. <laughs> which you're like... Stop doing that. Yeah. You can do it. You can do it in singles. Yeah. You're leaving me a target up here. Uh, okay. Well, the the summation of that is we're very excited to go to Montreal. We have zero mm-hmm. expectations. We're very excited to see all the queens who are um, listeners to the show. And we're going to have some fun and we're going to play some tennis and we're going to not have a trophy, but that'll be fine. Uh, I mean, let's uh, let's not say that right quite yet. Okay. I mean, maybe we'll come away with a trophy. <laughs> you know, we still have to put those positive vibes out there, girl. <laughs> I can't wait to hold up my Coupe de la Reine participation trophy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my therapy session is done. I leave, you know, at 8.30 or 9 a.m. after our two hours of play feeling really down feeling like <laughs> why am i doing this to myself <laughs> why am i getting up this early to only feel bad the rest of the day <laughs> and uh i know why that is now it's because i needed this therapy session there you go well yeah. i'm as your as your doubles partner i'm happy to be more than just your tennis partner mm-hmm. and also your semi-psychologist. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it feels like the last time I actually won a match was when I won at the Cincy tournament when I got to play on center court and I won my first, that was my first ever a singles victory. First ever a yeah. singles match. Yeah. Didn't you face the guy from Halloween? Yes. The- Mike, Mike Myers. Myers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, name dropping. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's happy to be name dropped <laughs> as uh, being defeated by me. But we're here <laughs> to talk about the Cincy tournament, and we wanted to start with the ladies. We did. Sorry. Can we just start with one thing before we get into all the ladies' action? For sure. You and I obviously have been on our IG. Um, watching all of the stories shout out to a couple of our friends from the from the midwest is that is that the midwest yeah, i think so yes <laughs> right that's like the midwest okay so kyle biggest shout out goes to kyle um kyle was obsessive about his coverage of uh the western southern on his ig he took insta stories of all the matches that he watched um, we really felt the heat penetrating through his IG stories. I mean, girl, it was hot here in Toronto, but I could not imagine be a, being a spectator for an afternoon session in that site. You're basically like burning on the surface of the sun. Yeah, I've been I've been there. There's really no coverage for anything there on that site. Um, I know that because we had several rain delays when we had the tournament there and there was basically nowhere to go <laughs> yeah so yuck um him scott aaron 
Was Tim Ross there? I feel like he was there. He was. With a bunch of friends. Mm -hmm. Anyway, hi to all y'all. Thank you for posting all of those stories and sharing those um, pictures with us to our DMs. Mm -hmm. Um, we're thankful for that. Yeah, and I'm hoping at some point I'll get to go to that tournament since that would it looks like a fun event. The site, uh, as I posted in one of one of the accounts I commented uh, to, I think it was Merchant. They had commented because their mm. stringer was doing stringing for the tournament. Yeah, uh, I said the grounds uh, and the site are way nicer than here in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, um, there's way more. Um, sort of viewable courts where you can watch uh, matches whereas you know in Toronto there's really only two courts where you can watch matches and the outer courts the side courts you're really like standing up and you can probably have 50 people standing and unfortunately mm -hmm. because we live in Canada and we still have the COVID restrictions we could watch none of those matches <laughs> so I know we were know. living One vicariously day. through them totally yeah so uh, thank you for sharing those stories. That's lovely. We were living vicariously through you, but we were watching on the TV. And what caught your eye about the ladies? Well, listen, I am honestly on a Naomi Osaka um, like comeback alert. I'm waiting for her to make her breakthrough um, so that she can contend for another you know, hardcore Grand Slam at the U.S. Open. She had a really good win against Coco Goff. I mean, Coco has been playing phenomenally the entire year. And I thought that she was going to have that breakthrough, but she lost to Jill, Jill Teichman, from uh, Switzerland, who was the eventual finalist. So that was kind of a story for me. Um, should we talk about Georgie? <laughs> <laughs> we both had the same thoughts about Georgie's. Obviously, everybody knows that Georgie won the title here and beat a whole hell of a lot of players. <laughs> and you heard us say that in our teaser. Mm. Uh, and then she came into Cincy on a private jet plane. <laughs> and she didn't know if she'd be back again. So she left. <laughs> she left quick. She left quick. She left right I mean, quick. Listen, I, you and I were chatting about it before we hopped on to record. No tea, no shade, but actually all tea, all shade. Georgie's the kind of player to me that's like not about winning a back-to-back -back Masters series. Like she's not up here trying to claim the number one ranking or be the best player in the world. She got that fatty check. She popped off with a couple of friends down to Miami, got bottle service at the club. All of you that <laughs> followed her on IG know that she was turning it the F up in that mini skirt and all of those, you know, selfies and poses. Like, she's fierce as F. And she got up to that first round against JPEG, who she beat in the semifinals in Montreal the week before. And she was like, eh. <laughs> I'll lose two and two. That's fine. I still got my check. You know what I mean? Like, like good on Georgie. She just is living her life. So whatever. Yeah. I think, you know, that somebody is over it and, and, you know, into sort of just letting loose when she's taking those pictures from like up on high, like she's, it looked like in a lot of those photos, she's standing up on the bar. She's like, take a picture from me up here. Take a picture for me. <laughs> yes. Looking, yes. And she's like standing up on, you know, on the on the round or like, what do you call it? The the banquets of the, the bottle service table. And she's like <laughs> having that having that good old time. 
I want to party with her. She looked like she looks like she'd be a really fun time. Oh, for sure. And she'd probably get us bottle service wherever we went. Yeah, and you know, you know I mean? as I said bef- again before we hopped on, I wondered if bottle service is a thing in Cincy. She's like, there ain't no place giving me bottle service here, <laughs> so I'm getting out of here and going to Miami. <laughs> Hey, don't give Cincy a bad rap. Maybe there, for sure, there are places. All you Cincy people out there, tell us where we can go to get bottle service. Yeah, so then <laughs> the next time we can go, we can avoid going there because <laughs> we can't afford bottle service. Okay, question for you. Yes. So, I remember us messaging each other in the week, and you were texting me about the Ash Barty Vika Azarenka. What was it like a third round or a quarterfinal, something like that? Third round third round <laughs> she looked like she was gonna get served two fresh sesame seed montreal ass bagels accurate i was watching the match it was going by very quickly i don't think <laughs> i don't think vika was playing terribly it's just okay barty was just lights out so good gotcha Gotcha. And uh, see, so that, so what was it really? Was it like Vika making errors? Was it um, Barty kind of prolonging the point and just like moving her around? Moving her around kind of and finding her spots. Uh, you know, Vika would eventually uh, make the error, but I didn't feel like she was missing by a ton. She was just okay missing, you know, s- slightly wide or slightly long. So it, I... Honestly, it's just it was just one of those matches where she just wasn't catching any any breaks and Barty was doing everything right. So I I believe I had texted you at six love four love and I was like, girls yes. about to get <laughs> double bageled. And then, Yikes. like, you know, 45 seconds later, Vika won a game. Yikes. Like, I, that doesn't bode well for Vika, who heads into the U.S. Open uh, being last year's finalist. I thought that, I mean, the past year and a half has been a topsy-turvy year. It's been really difficult. Actually, I'm, I was about to say, it's been really difficult for anyone to find any kind of consistency during this pandemic, but... That is absolutely 100% wrong because one of the main things that we're going to talk about tonight is the fact that Ash Barty, of all the women out there, is definitely the most consistent. But um, yeah, not good for Vika heading into the U.S. Open. Before we talk about Ash, I did have another question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Canadian men um, were just the absolute shitter on home soil last week. Uh, the Canadian women, girl, what's going on? Like, Andreescu <laughs> has a bye, obviously because of her seating, but loses her first match against no pushover. She loses to Mukova. She loses to Mukova, mm-hmm. um, and Leila Fernandez loses to Allison Risk, who is, you know, in her own right, a very strong hardcore player. But what is it about our girls that they're just not making? They're just not winning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think with B- BB, mm. Beavers, uh, Beavers is still figuring things out and managing her body, I think, still. Oh, what does that mean? I mean, she's had multiple injuries in Montreal. It was the toe. Uh, obviously, the yeah. toe thing resolved itself enough that she was able to play 
uh, her, her match. Mukova is always going to be a tough customer. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was always going to be uh, a difficult match for her. I think going forward, at least for the next few months into the U.S. Open and the rescheduled Indian Wells, if she gets in early rounds with, you know, people like Mukova and Anjabur, who she lost to, um, mm. I keep forgetting who she lost to at, at Wimbledon in the first round, but these players who get a lot of balls back are, are, are you know, requiring her to move her body a bit more. They're, mm. it's going to cause her some challenges. And she was able to do it in Miami. Uh, mm. she, I mean, she played a lot of tough matches in Miami against Sakari, uh, mm-hmm. against Cerebes Tormo. Um, and then ultimately she fell to Barty, who we're going to talk about in a second. But I think it's all about matchups for her right now. Um, yeah. For Layla, she's still finding her game, I think. Uh, she's still you know not in the top 50 she's number 70 or something like that so Mm -hmm. she's still trying to find her place and you know maybe at some point she'll have a breakthrough like uh, Teichman did and Mm -hmm. uh, be able to you know make a final or make a deep run in one of these bigger events Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah I think she she still has uh, a year or two I think before her um, that before she'll had, uh, hopefully achieve her goal, which is, was to be in the top 10 by the end of the year, which I don't think is possible at this point. Yeah. Uh, agreed for all of those things. I'm a little disappointed in Layla's results. I mean, I think she was playing much better in hard courts last year. Like she scored a win against Vonnerave at the U S open. I just, you know, I think she hasn't won a first round match in any of the tournaments that she's played the past few tournaments so you know especially with her win in monterey earlier this year i was kind of expecting her to have more of a breakthrough during the summer hardcore season another girl i wanted to ask you about that we are we have literally not talked about for a hot minute iga shviontek okay you know what listen we love a good bethy moment we get that you guys love each other and are like <laughs> killing it on the doubles court and are just having fun but the question that i pose to you is is like iga lost to anjabor in her first round match or sorry in her first match i think she had a bye in cincy mm-hmm. lost to ons obviously again ons is no pushover but we haven't heard about iga do really anything in any tournament over the past few months and, you know, having been a French Open champion, again, a completely different surface. But I am just worried that, you know, I'll, you know, some of these, sometimes these players that really want to do the most, meaning like they want to play singles, they want to play doubles, they want to play mix, yada, 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 often spread themselves too thin. Like, Iga girl, no offense to Bethy, but like, do you need to drop her so that you can focus <laughs> on your singles? Because you're kind of garbage right now. <laughs> TBH. Well, she uh, lost to Ange. Ange? Sorry, mm. Ange. Ange. She's an ingenue. <laughs> she, she is an Ange. <laughs> uh, she lost to Ange at Wimbledon. Okay. So she, it might be a matchup thing for her. So she's now lost to her on grass uh, and on hardcore. Okay. Obviously, Iga, or sorry, um, yeah, Iga's game is perhaps more suited for for clay she's had better results um on the clay she's sort of got that 
loopy, those loopy ground strokes, heavy top spin. So the, those are more uh, well suited for her game. But she hits with a lot of pace. So I think she's another player who can convert her game onto all surfaces. She did make it fairly deep at Wimbledon. I think it was a round of 16, which is a good, a decent result, a mm. decent starting result anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe she's hitting a, a middling patch, but aren't you enjoying a bit of the lesbianic love with her and Bethy? <laughs> I am. Okay. Yeah, it's not, not to say that I'm not enjoying it. Like, I love, I obviously love a good lesbian moment. Like, girl and girl action is always so titillating for me. Is it? Did you say <laughs> tit for a reason? You know, it was just like that off-the-cuff adjective that, you know, sometimes we, we find. But yeah, I listen, I love their love. I'm not saying that I don't love their love, but I mean, is it, is it, is it a wise thing to do if your focus is to really, you know, um, capitalize and cement yourself as a solid singles contender in every draw that you're in? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, doubles is its own beast, as we know. I just think that Iga is so talented. And, you know, maybe working the doubles doesn't lend itself to having enough energy and enough time to translate some of her skills onto different surfaces Mm -hmm. is all I'm saying. Listen, I'm not a tennis expert. I just happen to be a gay guy that loves tennis. (laughs) So there you have it. I mean, I thought you had to be an expert to have a podcast. That's (laughs) actually, you don't have to be an expert in anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Anybody can have a podcast. It's true. (laughs) Don't trust us about anything. Uh, Well, I mean, Krajikova was a double specialist and now she's, becoming known for her singles yeah good point Iga won her first title at the French Open as a singles player and now she's been pretty successful with Bethy uh, Mm. on the doubles court and they seem to be having a really good time but obviously we hope Iga starts to pick things up again on the singles court at the US Open yeah Um, I'm excited to talk about this player because this is the player that the entire season last year forgot she was the world number one. And she, it, through her results, is literally dragging me through the mud. Yeah, no, dragging both of us. Both of us. Because you forgot too, didn't you? Oh, every episode. <laughs> literally every episode. She's like, nah, I'm going to take a break. Nah, I'm going to hang out with my family here. I'm going to hang out with my, <laughs> my little niece or nephew or whoever it was. I'm going to go golfing with my boyfriend who wants to become a golf pro and uh you know deuces <laughs> i'll see you in 2021 when you got when you first come back to my country yeah miles didn't miles um on missing the point remember him y'all we did a episode with him earlier this year he mentioned to us girl like she is proving everyone wrong of all the women in the entire tour she is the most consistent and you asked a really um interesting question like is this is ash barty cementing herself as a dominant number one seed hearkening back to the days of monica steffi martina navratilova hingis everett all of those girls Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna repose the question to you what do you think yeah you know 
I had to ask the question because I had just lost our match three and one, and <laughs> I needed to feel a little bit, you know, more positive about myself and my outlook as we prepared to record this show. So I was really just trying to sound smart, but I also know that only smart, <laughs> only smart people have podcasts, so that's why I posed the question. Uh, but in all seriousness, I was, I am starting to feel that way. Just watching her play, watching her dominate uh, matches, she has perhaps one of the best serves um, in the women's game for somebody. Oh yes. For somebody who's so sort of slight, I don't know if she, I think she's only like five six or something, but she has such variety on the serve. Uh, she, mm. you know, pops off that forehand. You don't know mm. where it's coming. Uh, as again, somebody who's so slight, those high balls, she's able to hit winners from wherever she is on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, her, she picks the right times to come to the net. She's got a beautiful uh, slice. I think one her only real weakness is the two-handed backhand, but even that's mm-hmm. not really much of a weakness. And, you know, I, I'm not going to compare her to Federer because nobody's going to do that. But in terms of, like, somebody who's got a sort of pretty and elegant game, there is mm-hmm. a comparison, I think, to be made in terms of just how beautiful it is to watch her her play and move around the court and and craft a point yeah you know i uh, it's funny that ash and her uh countrywoman sam stozer have very similar games all of the things that you described about how beautiful like the details of ash's game stozer has all of the had all of those things at her prime when she beat uh, Serena at the U.S. Open years ago, you know, and I just wanted to add one thing. Her, because I have it in the notes, and I really wanted to mention this. Her kick serve on the ad court wide is truly one of the most beautiful shots in tennis. I mean, her serve is so layered, and she has so many different serves. Like, okay, let's talk about Naomi Osaka for a second. Naomi's uh, Naomi Osaka has got an in incredible serve because of the sheer pace of it right but when you look at ash's serve ash can hit that serve flat she can hit that serve she can hit a slice serve she can hit a top serve and she can hit all three of those styles of serve in any part of the box so i mean in terms of like overall quality of the serve i think ash takes the cake so i mean was it were you surprised that she came away with the title i mean she had a pretty a pretty comprehensive road to the final tbh yeah her toughest match was her first match in the second round against heather watson yeah what did that go to three sets it went to two sets and one was a tie break wow i think it was uh six four seven six yeah and we chatted about watching that final i mean congrats to jill you know, Jill had some really big wins this week. The lefty Swiss player that beat her compatriot, um, you know, recently uh, crowned gold medal champion Belinda Bencic. But she, um, I mean, it was just a complete performance from Ash in that final. You know, like just watching her craft a point, come to net, hit a drop shot. Like she has so many weapons. It was just like, you know, it was one of those matches that you really enjoy 
because the thrashing was just really so fun to watch. No offense. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? She could uh, do no wrong. I think one of her, like, maybe small weaknesses is that when she's getting close to the finish line, she can tend to get a little bit tight when she's mm. serving for it. So that, that did happen uh, in the final a little bit. But, you know, she dominated Vika as we already talked about she had a pretty easy win against Barty she was destroyed against Bart uh, against sorry who? against Krajikova sorry oh yeah yeah <laughs> she, Barty versus she, Barty she beat herself <laughs> <laughs> she, that's the only person she could beat is herself right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes she beat Krajikova mm-hmm. she was killing Kerber uh, and then Kerber you know started to um, withstand the onslaught of her ground strokes and was, you know, doing that down the line thing that she does well. And she stayed in that second set, but she eventually lost and then destroyed the tyke. <laughs> is that is that your new moniker for her? The tyke. <laughs> the tyke. I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's good. I like it. So I mean, let's take a look at her year. She has won how many? Do you know how many tournaments she's won this year? Sank. Very good. Francais. Mm-hmm. Francais. Cincy, a slam. Wimbledon. She won on clay in Stuttgart. She won, of course, hardcore against um, Andreescu in Miami. And she won that weird Melbourne tournament where they served her a wombat on a tray. <laughs> Lest we forget. <laughs> Lest we forget. And she was in the final of Madrid. So, you know, going back to the original question of is Ash Barty cementing herself as a dominant number one, I'm going to put my own face in the mud and under the mud garble the words, yes. (laughs) (laughs) She also made a final um, at the other tournament in Germany that she lost to Savalenka, the one that was indoors Mm. with no fans. I thought she uh, wasn't that Stuttgart she won she beat Sabalenka in Stuttgart what was the other event that she made the final where she lost to Sabalenka it was like she lost to Sabalenka in Madrid was it oh but there was another oh I thought there was another event where they were in the final and she lost was that a final in Madrid yes okay yeah gotcha yeah Yeah. she is somebody if she can stay healthy who I think could be a dominant player in this sport like all of the women you talked about mm-hmm. so i know go ash go we will never forget that you are the number one player at this moment again yeah you have proved us to be <laughs> right stupid um and i think what's interesting too is and we've talked about this before she was another person who took like a break of yeah. what was it two years and she's what 25 years old she's got so much career ahead of her on top of the fact that she was winning doubles titles first before she mm-hmm. um, became more well known for her singles and being a two-time grand slam champ yeah, I mean, she mentions her former doubles partner, Casey Delacqua, another Australian lefty, love her, love Casey, um, for kind of re-inspiring her to get back into the singles game. So that's, I mean, it, I mean, we talk, we've talked about Naomi, we've talked about the mental breaks that she's taken, um, and whether, I mean, I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that that's what 
Ash needed for herself to really get back in her best physical and mental shape. So, you know, let's just hope that Naomi can do the same and we get like this stunning rivalry for the ages Mm -hmm. in women's tennis. Yeah, agreed. Ash lost first round at the Olympics, but Mm. was able to recover nicely. She skipped Toronto and that was probably wise because she's a winner at Cincy and she's probably the favorite going into the U.S. Open where we still do not really know if Serena will be there. Uh, Does it matter? I don't know. I don't really. You're not care factor low. I mean, you know, like, listen, having Serena in the draw in any tournament is going to be a big draw. Um, But the funny thing is for me is that in the evolution of talking about Serena on this podcast, very in, in a similar vein to kind of phasing out. Well, maybe not obviously not Djokovic, but Rafa and Federer. I think that era is really waning. So we all want a Serena moment. I still want her to win that 24th slam, but she hasn't hit a ball competitively in a while. I don't think a lot can be expected of her. And whereas maybe two years ago, Serena could walk into a slam and win it. I definitely don't think she could do that now. Yeah. I mean, we don't know the extent of the injury and the recovery. I think she's very elusive perhaps for good reason she just doesn't want the attention and she wants to just do the thing with her family and all that but yeah. uh hopefully she will make it and join her sister who got a wild card into the tournament <laughs> <laughs> yeah by the way venus williams plays shay su Wei tonight in um chicago it's a 125 level tournament shay su Wei is going to drop shot slice lob <laughs> Redirect like a mofo. redirect. Oh, it's not gonna be pretty for her. I kind of want to watch that. Ugh. I kind of want to watch that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's on soon, I assume. It's uh, it's on this evening. It's probably uh, completed by now, actually. Oh, so we'd we'll have to watch look. the replay for everyone yeah. who's wondering. It's close to nine o'clock, nine o'clock p.m. on <laughs> Monday, uh, and this will drop on Wednesday. Yes. Um, speaking of like you know, a new era. We mm. have to talk about the men, obviously, in Cincy. And this is the first time in a hell of a long time that the top four seeds have made it to the semifinal stage of a Masters event. Can you, you know, ponder a guess? I won't ask you to pick the event, but like the last year where this happened. You mean in Cincinnati? Uh, not in Cincinnati. At a at a any Masters one thousand event. What was the oh, last God. time the top four seeds were in the semifinal? I'm gonna say uh, two thousand and twelve, and the top four seeds were Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, and Murray. Ooh, you are. Am right. I wrong? You are right on the year. You are uh, wrong on the seeds. You oh. uh, you forgot that Nadal, I think, was out for a good chunk of 2012, oh. injured. And he, Vavrinka? It was actually Thomas Burdick, who was Ew. the... I, I assume he was the number four seed in uh, Shanghai. I mean, that doesn't really count, because Burdick, who cares about him? <laughs> <laughs> Shady. 
<laughs> we hope you're enjoying retirement, Thomas. <laughs> uh, I, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, <laughs> Tennis TV did a, a whole um, Instagram thread on the events where this happened. So it was Toronto 2010, uh-huh. and it included the four names that you mentioned Mm -hmm. uh cincinnati 2009 again the same four names that you mentioned okay monte carlo 2008 which included three of the four uh, i.e the big three and uh nikolai davidenko we like him uh and then it happened 22 (laughs) years ago in cincinnati nice uh sampras agassi Rafter Chang. and uh, Kafelnikov. Oh, oh, Kafelnikov. He really gained some weight, eh? <laughs> Did he? Jeez. I, I just, I, for whatever reason, was Googling him at like two o'clock in the morning three days ago. I'm like, <laughs> he really is enjoying his retirement. <laughs> um, <laughs> why weren't you just sleeping? <laughs> I don't know. I go into these like YouTube holes of tennis players for uh, whatever reason. So... I think what's interesting about the fact that these four players, Medvedev, Tsitsi, Zverev, and Rublev were the top four, is that I didn't care that those other guys were not there. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, You know, I don't... I think maybe you and I have this impression because we are on the pulse of, like tennis fans around the world especially with with such an upswell of people and their comments for any of the big three joko rafa and federer that any one of those of the holy trinity that are missing from a masters 1000 people are like oh well this doesn't count you know who cares about daniel who yeah. cares about aldwin's ex-boyfriend <laughs> but but i mean to your point i I don't maybe don't feel as strongly as you do because that's the vibe that I'm getting from you. But I didn't miss them at all, and I think the tennis was just spectacular. Yeah, this Ag- week agreed. And uh, you know we've talked about it for at least the whole run of our show, which is a lot of <laughs> episodes <laughs> where we said you know if you are a true f- tennis fan, you need to watch some of these players and you need to get onto the bandwagon, and that does not necessarily discount the contributions that those three guys have made and if you want to include the fourth Andy Murray Mm -hmm. but you know it's all cyclical and these guys are the the generation of players that are going to replace those guys Zverev's 23 Rublev's I think around that age Medvedev's 25 and uh, who's the other one? Tsitsi is also 23, I think. He had his birthday in Toronto. So, like, these are the guys we uh, want to watch right now. And team is actually getting up there. Team is close to 30, so. Uh, you mean 30 years old? Yeah. No, Dominic team is almost 30 years old? I think he's 28. Jeez. Well, count him out. Like, don't include him. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean... it. With the absence of the three, the four that you just mentioned, the top four seeds in, in Cincy, obviously having made the semifinals, they are hands down the most consistent players on the ATP Tour. If you Again, if you exclude the Holy Trinity. Um, and the fact that they're gone, you can really see that they are in a different echelon. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you and I saw it firsthand when we watched Tsitsi in his match. Um, you watched Daniil twice. You, I would, I'm going to call you his mistress. Yeah, I think I'm going to give you the new moniker because you know, yes, all of you that missed that, you know, wonderful moment where Jason caught Daniil's attention at the end of that match. I caught the and, glimmer of his eye. That's what you meant to say. Yeah, exactly. You caught the glimmer of his eye. And uh, I'm just going to call you um, Daniil's mistress. These guys are repeatedly showing up deeper and deeper in draws. And they're constantly facing each other, which means like it's exciting to kind of have this brew of a new wave of, you know, amazing men's tennis players. Mm-hmm. You know, and the I, just going by the tennis that we watched this week, I am all for it. I'm here for that here for it indeed where do you want to <laughs> start with i mean i i admittedly watched uh, both semifinals okay I watched highlights of the final i think what okay. is interesting in um in rublev's quest to make the final he was zero and five against medvedev uh-huh. Going yes. in, going into that match. And Medvedev was like making him look like a little punk in that first set. Like <laughs> a punk. Like yeah. I'm just gonna move you around, move mm. you from side to side. I'm gonna do that thing where I get to every ball. I'm gonna hang out fifteen meters behind the baseline. <laughs> you think I'm not gonna get that ball back, but I'm gonna make you I'm gonna hit the sidelines, I'm gonna hit deep into the court and made him look like a little punk. And then <laughs> The fact that he hangs out so deep, um, uh, you know, near the backstop basically caused caused a bit of an issue for him when he <laughs> ran into the camera, which apparently that was a whole that was an issue that he had brought up earlier in the tournament. But basically he was, um, you know, pulled off court to to run um i think on his backhand side and he ended up lunge or you know running into the the atp tv cameras that were on court <laughs> what did, what did he say uh, after he bumped into that uh, bump is not the word crashed into that cameraman uh well he asked to move it again and he's like i said <laughs> this already he's like i'm gonna sue <laughs> uh, like well, any he, good Russian, he is in the he's... United. <laughs> he is in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I what I find about him when he gets into one of those moments, it's like one of those bullies on the on the playground. Yeah. You like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gets in such a, like a a zone. Like I'm gonna kill everything. You don't want to <laughs> f with him. And I'm no, his he... I'm his mistress. So. Exactly. I know what it's like. You know what it's like. Listen, um, uh, I'm not like completely on the Daniil bandwagon uh, as much as you are. I think he's super entertaining. He's kind of like Nick Kyrgios with talent, to be honest. <laughs> um, and sorry, you mean I just with, wanted... with 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 talent and results. Okay, fine. If you want to be on Nick's side, sure. Uh, um, just kidding, Nick. We know you watched all of our stories. <laughs> I did want to throw a joke Nick's way because um, he had to withdraw from the first round of his Winston-Salem match. And I, I, I asked the ATB tour in a direct message, was it because of a finger injury? Because was he playing too much Pokemon Go? <laughs> 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's, you can slide into our DMs and let us know. Next. He's never coming on our show. <laughs> <laughs> he's never, but that's fine. Whatever. We keep it straight. Um, okay, so we're on Daniil. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I like I like Daniil. I think Daniil is clearly super talented. Um, I, I, I was, uh, the, the comment that I was going to make was, you know, after winning the National Bank Open, his first four matches... I think he dropped something like 12 games in the first seven sets. Like stupid. 12 mother effing games. Like at the ATP tour level against really difficult opponents. I was like, this is going to be a wash for him. So, you know, that was my curiosity when I saw you earlier today because I did not watch the Rublev match. What was it about Rublev that managed to turn it around in that semi? I think what happened was he set up that camera on the court and uh, <laughs> no, he just sort of persevered. He's just like, I know I'm going to have to stay in these long rallies. He was actually winning even earlier in the in the first set. He was winning the longer rallies, like the nine plus ball rallies. But for some reason, he lost the set 6-2. So I think he just realized, you know, I'm going to have to like fight for this one. And maybe mm-hmm. that's what I need to do going into Montreal realize i gotta fight you gotta fight you gotta get in there and move your feet girl yeah and he hadn't yeah um, he, had, he also hadn't won a set so uh, in any of their previous matches so he's i'm sure he was like i some point i gotta win a set so like when he was struggling in that first set and getting frustrated because he wasn't necessarily doing anything terribly he just wasn't mm. winning any points he started like r- ripping at his shirt he started to yell um (laughs) and that i think you know inadvertently daniel running into the camera helped him sort of reset and i think re-energize and he was able to win those next two sets and they were very it was a very good match it was very competitive right you know and i'm gonna pull a jason and do a beautiful segue here talking about a competitive semi-final at tzitzi versus verev yeah Okay, where do you want to start with this? Because this is a whole bunch of, you know, to use the same imagery that I used at the beginning of the of the episode, there was a lot of moments where that were just full of diapers, full of shrimp <laughs> from my ex-boyfriend. Do you want to talk about the tennis? Do you want to talk about the controversy with the, with the toilet break? Tennis first. What do you first. want to do? Tennis first, fine. Yeah. Um, okay, well, Tsitsi and Zverev, I think, had one of... Uh, like they always have very memorable matches. Um, I, I, obviously, not a spoiler alert, but when Zverev shook his hand at the end of that match, he was like, "It's always what did he say? It's like always, always amazing. We always, always play ma- so well." Yeah, I, I don't know. I like I like him. I like what he says. I like the energy he brings to the court. That Zverev. Zverev. Yeah, I thought it was a bit shady. Oh, really? I thought it was a bit shady. I thought it was like because it was so <laughs> closely contested. Who the fuck says that at a? You know, especially if you're my ex-boyfriend, you're like, bro, like, why are you saying that to me when we're shaking hands? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to know that it's magic every time we play tennis. Like, I just lost. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a thing that you would say if you were the winner in a, <laughs> in a situation like that. Like, like Daniil said in his match against Hercatch last week, he's like, but he honestly said, he was like, you're the better player, man. 
this yeah. this match and I just happened to win. So I don't know. I, I felt it was genuine, but maybe okay. he, maybe he said that because he knew all the stuff was going to come out about the other stuff and how he was, you know, waiting at the back of the court and saying, <laughs> I'm ready, bro. Like, what's going on, uh, dear umpire? Right. So let's just, you know, do a quick recap. Essentially, the semifinal between Tsitsi and Zverev went like this. Zverev won the first set, up a break in the second. A huge momentum shift. Tsitsi managed to claw his way back with some beautiful tennis coming to the net, short angle drop shots, that kind of thing. And Zverev looked down and out in the third set, 1-4. And, you know, we've dragged Zverev before for kind of, like, not having enough mental fortitude to, like, close out these big matches, especially deep in draws. But something just changed and Zverev again has shown this in this entire season but he just managed to get back into that third set bring it to the tiebreaker and clinch it Mm -hmm. and you know coming off his Olympic gold now a master's title here in Cincy Zverev is looking really good to to hoist that U.S. Open trophy TBH yeah well you know it was impressive when he was down 5-2 in that mm-hmm. final set mm-hmm. uh, you know what helped him out at that what? he took himself he took his ass off court uh-huh. and blew chunks i think he actually vomited oh he did yeah okay. i think he was like not feeling himself he was he he actually went off court at some point and i think threw up you know, away from the cameras and then came back because <laughs> the umpire got down from his chair. He's like, where'd he go? Um, so, yeah, I th- it was a very, you know, interesting moment in the match. And, and Zverev was dominating. Uh, and to your, you know, to what you said earlier, CZ came back and uh, it was came down to a tie break and they do always have memorable matches yes. i mean one of the matches of the year for me continues to be that acapulco match where acapulco cz mm. was dominating and zverev sort of turned the corner and won that first set and and it was a straight set win but it was such a good match yeah yeah i mean again minus the shadiness zverev's words to cz at the end of that match <laughs> do are are absolutely true um, do you want to talk about the bathroom break? Because that is on everyone's lips. You know, we did a story today after our hit session this morning, asking people what they wanted to hear about. And the number one thing that people want to hear about us comment, comment on is Tsitsi and his extended bathroom breaks. <laughs> now I'm going to throw it to you yeah. because Jason made that observation first at, you know, at the national bank open last week. So why don't you go ahead? Oh, that's very sweet of you. Yes. Yeah. Because I said it to you after the first set in the Umber match. He mm-hmm. left the court and I was like, how long has he been gone? Like, where did he go? <laughs> and, you know, without question, he took that bag, as Zverev pointed out. Um, his purse. His his little purse. And, you know, if, if you're on his side... Um, and you're a gay and you look at his shorts, you know that them short, them white shorts that he wears are soaked yes. uh, between sets. It's just accurate. Um, so he probably needs a, a bit of refresh and 
most of us would probably want to see him change his shorts on court, but he's probably mm-hmm. not going to do that. So no, it's not good for TV, unfortunately, or it is, but he's not going to do it. <laughs> so yeah, he did that in Toronto. Uh, I believe he did it in, uh, in between the first and second and the second and third against Umber. He also did it in the Casper rude match. So I think it's a routine that he uh, is just tipped to and he said that he's not going to stop doing that uh have mm-hmm. read him uh, heard him say that so in the zverev match where zverev dominated the first set 6-2 leaves court um <laughs> it was so cool watching it on tv because you know zverev says he's you know he's taking the bag and you know you know he's he's on the purse. phone perhaps his purse <laughs> uh he he's like he does this in paris he's done the, does this mm. every match and you know he's going to do it in other tournaments and then the camera cuts to Pass's dad on his phone so uh the, yeah. the the i think uh insinuation is that he is receiving coaching via his phone while he goes to uh dapati Right. Listen, it doesn't take a Nancy Drew to figure out what the fuck is going on. (laughs) Okay. Number one, I dated him. First of all, I'm embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed that he is just a loser. (laughs) I mean, in that way, listen, he, he was the one that we, uh, he was the, he is the person that requested that there was (laughs) point by point coaching. Yeah. And obviously, if he's taking his purse to the washroom, not only is he getting out of his dirty, you know, soaked shorts and underwear and all of that stuff, but he's clearly, I mean, clearly, this is my opinion, texting his dad. What else is his dad doing on a changeover on his phone? I mean, is he is he in on IG? I mean, I don't know. But I, I just don't know. I think that if you put two and two together, it's pretty clear that he is getting you know, some form of coaching more than what would normally be allowed. And it's irritating. I'm glad Zverev called him out on that. And it was caught on microphone Mm -hmm. for all of the entire world to hear. Because, like, sure, fine, CC's not going to change his mind about that. But, I mean, what what do you need from your dad? What do you need from your dad? Like, you're supposed to be on the court. You're a top tier player. Like, he, you've prepared for this in your practice sessions. Like, it's not like Zverev is a new competitor. Maybe you needed to hear the positive affirmations and philosophical musings of your father, but come on, girl. Like, <laughs> put the purse away. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. You don't think his dad was just asking his mom what she was doing at the hotel while the match was going on? Or maybe, like, ordering Uber Eats. <laughs> like, yeah. from Jimmy the Greek. Yeah, based on how Zverev's playing, playing this match is going to be over right quick. So I, I need to make sure that Greek food arrives in 90 minutes at the hotel. <laughs> uh, honestly, that was, like, a really irritating moment. And he was read to filth by everyone on the GLTA message board. So, I mean, again, a bit, whatever, embarrassing. But, you know, hopefully... I love Cece. Listen, I love Cece, but just this whole predicament just gave me a little bitter taste in my mouth. Yeah, he's getting a bit of a reputation. Yeah, yeah, uh, right? for those kinds of things, for like silly things about coaching, for like yeah. philosophical musings and post-match interviews. Like, yeah, just allow yourself to 
to let your play do the talking and, you know, slide into that Federer spot, which is possible for you if you stop doing crazy shit like talking to your dad, (laughs) you know, off court in Cincy while you should just be changing your sweaty white shorts. Wait, sliding into the Federer spot as in the ranking? No, as in like he he has the style of game not style of game but like somebody who can be beloved and like i really i think he he he's probably the guy out of all of those folks like medvedev's not gonna fill that spot no you're right rublev's not gonna fill that spot zverev's not gonna fill that spot team could if he was like winning more (laughs) uh but Tsitsipas, i think is the guy i think he has he had you know that sentimental moment where people wanted him to beat Djokovic and Djokovic came back so he Mm. can build up that groundswell of people but he needs to stop being stupid doing stupid things and saying stupid things yeah agreed I I I give you props on everything that you just said about my (laughs) ex-boyfriend what do you have to say about Rublev I mean what I thought about um I thought about the things that you have said to him about him in the past <laughs> about being unsuccessful uh, beyond the 500 tournament level. And I thought obviously about the ATP memes account that was like showing that picture of him going no to the masters 1000 events and no <laughs> to the grand slams. Cause he's, he's not into those. He's just into the 500 and 250 wins. <laughs> What do I think about Rublev? I mean, I think I wouldn't call this tournament a breakthrough, even though technically it is. Um, I just think that he is of the four seeds at this tournament. And if we're going to call these four kind of like the new wave of uh, elite uh, men's tennis players, He's probably going to have the most difficult road of the four in winning a slam just because the three others, by sheer size and talent alone, just have so many more, so much more versatility. Like watching the watching this Zverev Rublev final, Rublev looked like he was running 700 kilometers a minute, just hustling everywhere and just being overpowered by a very free and you know, um, easy moving Zverev who has the wingspan of like 10 albatrosses. <laughs> he, d- he, he looks way taller than he actually is when you see him serve on TV. Like he looks mm-hmm. like a giant when you see that huge high toss and how he reaches for the ball. He had a small hiccup, you know, up five, two where he was broken. He had two double faults. Yeah. And I know that's been an issue for Zverev, but he broke right back in one six, three in that set. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean that. Yeah. Rublev's uh, one of his other weaknesses is he has an Andy Murray second serve. Ooh. He, ooh. Du- he dumped a few ooh. balls into the net and he has his second serve rarely reaches like 90, miles an hour like mm-hmm. the top players have uh second serves that are you know in the 100 to 110 range some higher than that so he need, definitely needs to improve that if he's gonna compete with those guys um at these tournaments yeah i mean on a positive note i think that rublev is dedicated and a worker and a workhorse and i think that he is 
not of the same kind of Camila Georgie mentality where he's happy to just like win a tournament and then kind of shuck off the first round in, the, in his next tournament. So I think that is what we can look forward to, just his constant and consistent determination to win everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look at his mixed doubles gold uh, win with his... Uh, his his love or Pav. the love in my mind, Pav. You know he he is just thirsty to be amazing, and I think that that's amazing about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was zero and five against Medvedev until mm-hmm. Cincy, and he remains now zero and five against Zverev, and hopefully he'll <laughs> you know figure out his next uh, path to beating someone like Zverev and getting his first one thousand title. So Zverev is now like. 11 match win streak or 10 match win streak heading into the US Open. What are your thoughts on like who's the favorite on the men or the women's side? Uh, I don't think that. So for the women, I'm just going to say preliminary preliminary favorites. Obviously, Ash. I'm going to throw Daniel Collins in there. Um, Pliskova, who's now made the semifinal of a thousand and then made the final the year the week before. Um, in in uh, Montreal for the men, I'm gonna put Zverev there. Daniil, I'm gonna put there as a favorite. Uh, Rublev looks like a good semifinal contender. And um, who else I'm gonna put in there? Oh, Riley. I like Riley. Mm-hmm. I think Riley can do some damage at the U.S. Open. Tbh. Yeah. With I his th- pink tote. <laughs> I think those are good choices. Uh, one of the obvious ones that you missed is Novak, who will probably, I assume, will be back. Right. Yes. Yes. Novak, of course. Yeah. Going for the calendar slam. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks more plausible for him with um, Rafa and Fed out. But again, just to kind of continue with our thread, the guys that have been grinding the entire year on tour, I don't think it's going to be any easy um, uh, feet to get Zverev, Tsitsi, Medvedev, and, and uh, Rublev out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is their time. Like, they'll only have to beat one of those guys in, yeah. in Novak. So, I I think Zverev and Medvedev are the guys. We'll see how the draw shakes down. Obviously, Daniil will be um, number two. Mm-hmm. So he'll be opposite of Novak, and that would be a, a nice final and a rematch <laughs> of the Aussie Open. But it'll be interesting to see where people like Zverev and and Rublev and Tsitsipas end up landing and, and what their chances are to make the final. I have to say, having seen Rublev uh, play against Fonini in Toronto, mm-hmm. he does hit the ball effing hard. Mm-hmm. Like, per- perhaps one of the hardest uh, hitters on the tour for sure it was amazing to see just how how hard he hits that forehand yeah his forehand is a thing of beauty what else do we got i wanted to give a special me- mention to benoit Pierre. oh yeah he made a, a master's quarterfinal i think it's been forever and he beat drip drip he beat drip drip um Congratulations, felicitations, Benoit Pierre, um, for making your first Masters quarterfinal in probably seven billion years. 
Um, you played some amazing tennis and plus you're entertaining. So I was so happy to see him perform well and earn more than $5. <laughs> Who did he play in the quarters? Like, was that um, a three-set match? Mm. I can't remember if it was. He, he I have here in my notes that uh, he beat Isner, Shapo, and Ketsmenovic in the first round. Okay. And I forget who he lost in the quarters. He lost to Rude, maybe? I'm not sure. He lost to Rublev in three sets. Rublev. I thought it was three Oh, sets. yeah, that's right. Rublev. Yeah, because he won the first set, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And so, like, he could have made a master semi. Yeah. Like, Benoit Pair, who would have thunk it? So, good, for, good on him. And uh, somebody got to his attention that he's playing a little bit better because it looks like he has a clothing sponsor again. He was wearing Adidas. <laughs> oh, he's wearing Adidas? Good for him. He yeah. looked really good in that in that kit. Yeah. Karetsev, really I think, cute. is still wearing a nameless... He's still holding out. Really? Yeah. He doesn't is, want that money? Yeah, which is not a good sign considering he hasn't been having the same results he was having as earlier in the year. I know. I mean, look at that. He was on fire at the beginning of the year, and now his fire is just quashed. Hopefully, he can get some form at the U.S. Open. Well, sorry, one more little thing. Mm-hmm. I know, like, whatever. I find it also kind of annoying, uh, aside from Drip Drip, that Felix had a really great run at the Western Southern, but flamed out on home on, on home soil. Yeah. You know, I'm happy that he's doing, he did really well at the Western Southern, but girl, we wanted to watch you. Yeah. So, congrats, but I next did, time do it in Toronto. I did see him. I saw him flame out in the second round. Yeah. Who did he lose Lajevic. to? Jere. Oh, Lajevic. Yeah. Lajevic. Beautiful, a yeah. beautiful one-handed backhand on that Lajevic. Gotcha. So, speaking of people who won't flame out, hopefully that will be us in Montreal. Yes, exactly. Pray for us. Pray for <laughs> us. We'll have one more week to talk about it when we do the U.S. Open preview next week. Oh, MG, we're seven days away. Can you imagine? Imagine. It's crazy that it's 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 all come down to this, as, as they say in like sporting events. This is the moment. I know, the like final slam. We've almost covered an entire year, entire year's worth of tennis in a relatively normal year, yeah. which is kind of cray cray. Relatively normal. Okay. <laughs> That's it, y'all. Peace I'm out. Tired. I know. Let's go watch. I'm tired. Let's go watch Venus and Shay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.